Welcome, and thank you for joining us for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Health Underwriters. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. The podcast is distributed on these platforms every Friday and is included in NAHU's weekly member-exclusive health policy newsletter, The Washington Update, giving you a head start on your weekly healthcare happy hour. Welcome to the Healthcare Happy Hour podcast. My name is Priya Sa, and I will be your host again this week. We've got a special edition podcast today featuring two of our members of the Long-Term Care Working Group. Lori Martin and Steve Kane. Welcome to the podcast, guys, and thank you so much for being here. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. So good morning or good afternoon, depending on where you are. Steve and I are so happy to be with you today. Just want to let you know, November is Long-Term Care Awareness Month. We know you don't live in the long-term care space every day like we do, but for the next 30 minutes, we want to give you some updates on long-term care market and trends so that you can see there are great opportunities in the long-term care space opportunities to provide long-term care planning, long-term care insurance for your own clients, whether they're individuals or employer groups. So just to start off, you hear about this in the media a lot, and there's certainly MetLife always does their annual report talking about employee benefits and what's important to employees and what they're concerned about. So we know that your clients are concerned about financial worries in retirement. Healthcare is certainly a big part of that. When they do retire, Everybody's living an awfully long time and uh, healthcare costs continue to go up. And when you're living well into your 90s, retiring sometime in your 60s, that's a long time to pay for out-of-pocket healthcare costs. Yeah. You know, Lori, when I look at those reports, because they come out all the time, whether it's MetLife, Fidelity, Mm -hmm. you see these big numbers that say, here's what the average cost is going to be per each retiree. Those costs don't include long-term care. Like they never include the LTC number. So the way I look at it is... Your client's biggest healthcare expense is long-term care. Your client's biggest retirement expense is healthcare. So the conversation goes hand in hand. And and we just think that if you're talking about healthcare planning and retirement, long-term care has to be part of these discussions. Right. And just, again, another big concern is just individuals outliving their savings. Did I save enough of my 401k? And again, it's all tied to we are all living well into our 90s and certainly certainly 100s. Yeah. And planning for that, whether it's just your retirement savings, healthcare, looking at that possible extended healthcare event in retirement, you, you need to have funds for that. Yeah. And the other thing that I think is worth mentioning, like why are people talking about long-term care? Why not just us specialists, but you know, why are NAHU members and employee benefit brokers talking about long-term care? I think it's first and foremost, it's personal experience. You know, mm-hmm. you know, folks are going through it and they're they're feeling firsthand the inflation rate on the cost of care. Lori, I'll give you an example with my 82-year-old mom that receives three or four days a week of home health care. We just met with her caregiver and the caregiver said, hey, inflation is impacting me. So we're going to have to either dial up the hourly rate or dial up the amount of days or hours per week. And we're in this spot, my brothers and I, where we're just like, okay. Like, I can't argue with her. I can't say anything. Love the care that she provides mom. And so we're feeling it. So I think your clients are feeling it too. They're dealing with their loved ones as it relates to long-term care. And that's driving a lot of these conversations. Absolutely. Same with my elderly parents. Hourly rates for caregiving continue to go up. And I know in the state of California, I've heard that with the cost of gas, 
being at such a high premium, you know, you need to have decent hours as a caregiver to make it worth your while to go visit that client. And that's just going to cost you more when somebody says it's got to be six hours, it's got to be eight hours, because otherwise it's just not worth my time. So you look at it again, what's worrying people, healthcare costs in retirement, personal experiences dealing with long-term care. Look, the elephant in the room is inflation. Lori just mentioned it on gas prices, but just everything costs more now and we're headed into a recession. And what we found over the years is if it's not volatile markets, but it's a recession, like a prolonged recession, like we're about to be in, or if not already, people want to protect what they have now. People flock to protection products like long-term care during recessionary environments. So that's something to think about as well. As you go into your renewal strategy meetings, you know, or excuse me, your renewals with clients or your 2023 strategy meetings with clients, they're concerned about healthcare costs. Right. And another certain issue with employers is their employees being able to be at work, be productive and be there and not have that caregiving responsibility for a family a family member, a loved one, where maybe they got to take off work or they're not concentrating. And so I always say that employee benefits are so important. When you offer all those benefits, whether it's paid for by the employer, whether it's a voluntary plan, it's already vetted and employees look to their employers for those additional benefits. And one of those benefits can be long-term care insurance offered on, on the group site. And we are starting to see a lot more plans out there, products out there that are geared to that market. Yeah, it's funny, Lori, like it, many of our NAHU members are going to say, well, I, I didn't think there was a market. I, I thought it all went away. What Lori and I try to do is educate you know, our fellow members and let them know that, hey, there are, there are options out there today. It looks different than what it looked like before, but we're encouraged that we're going to see a couple new market entrants in 23. And right now, if if you come to us, the group, we have solutions. We do have options. And again, it just might look a little bit different than what it looked like in the past. So why would you offer this or why would you have this conversation with your clients about long-term care for all the reasons that Lori and I just talked about, but also timely education. In the individual market, when people just seek out traditional or link benefit long-term care solutions, the average purchase age is around 57. In the worksite market, you're looking at around 50. So if exposed earlier, people are going to do planning, which again is going to save them money. It's going to enable them to secure coverage in in an easier way because of medical underwriting being younger and healthier. So the bottom line is we think it complements your 401k planning. It's going to protect those retirement income and and assets. We think you're providing timely education to your employees. And and again, everybody's dealing with loved ones that are going through long-term care. So they're going to be more conscious of it. Those are just some of the few reasons why you should be talking about this with your client base. Right. And remember, the, I think one of the great benefits about offering this is even as a voluntary product to your groups is there are no ERISA requirements. So you can make that choice about who you offer that benefit to. So you can't have some key employees. Uh, maybe you want to do a contribution or have an ER paid for some employees and not for everybody. So the great thing about structuring these plans on the group side is that employer can really structure it how he wants. The CEO wants it for himself and his wife, key employees, but maybe everybody else, it's a voluntary product. And that's okay. You can do that. 
and uh, there's just so much flexibility in the group market with long-term yeah, and, care. Yeah, and, and, and I'll just add to it that long-term care enjoys unique and preferential tax treatment. You mm-hmm. can deduct the premiums if you're funding it. In most cases, the premium is not included as income or shown as a benefit. And the policy benefits are always going to be income tax-free. So just great tax treatment with long-term care. Additionally, I know over 20 million Americans today, I've got one too, has an HSA. Guess what? You can use HSA dollars to fund your long-term care, essentially making it a pre-tax purchase. So again, don't overlook the tax advantages of long-term care. Right. Moving on a little bit and talking about what's happening in the market, in the state level, on the federal level. This is another reason why you're seeing a lot more talk about long-term care insurance and a lot more talk on the employer side is because what's happening um, there in the different states. So Washington was the first state to start a public a long-term care insurance plan for all W-2 employees. And other states are certainly looking at this. And we as a committee, as the long-term care working group, are really keeping on top abreast of what's happening in every state. Because what you're going to see is what happened in one state is starting to be looked at in a lot of other states. And I, Steve Kane is really on top of this. Well, I, we all are. And again, as this working group, the whole point is to have your back is to make sure that you've got a seat at the table, even though you're you're not there or figuratively not there. This is our focus. So we want to make sure that long-term care is represented when we're having these discussions. For those of you who don't know what happened in Washington, as Lori mentioned, it was a publicly financed long-term care plan. Not enough people planning for long-term care in the state of Washington. States looking at their Medicaid expenditures saying, hey, we're going to get crushed. We could go bankrupt right. If, right. if we have to pay for everybody's long-term care. So they created a taxpayer-financed long-term care program that provided a very minimal long-term care benefit. And now you've got 12 or 13 other states that are looking at this. Now, look, not not everybody's going to do something. It's politics, right? Could be red state, blue state type of issue. Could be economics, you know, in terms of how the tax, you know, how your state income taxes are set up, depending on where you live. But the bottom line is all of these states are inquiring or thinking about these programs because they finally recognize that long-term care is a big deal. Probably the three states that are furthest along in, in terms of their investigation into a publicly financed program are New York, Pennsylvania, and California. Let's start with Pennsylvania. That state house just flipped Democrat. Prior to this election, you had a, a majority Republican state Senate. There was a bill that was proposed that wasn't taken up in 22. Now with majority Democrat in 23, will it be taken up? Maybe. We're not sure, but I tell you what, Lori, it looks like a copy and paste of Washington. Mm-hmm. And and so it's mm-hmm. a minimal long-term care benefit. But what we're going to do is is try to connect via Nahu with those legislators to help them understand you know, where private long-term care insurance can complement that program and some of the mistakes that Washington made that they're correcting now so that it'll be a little bit more insurance friendly. Same thing in New York. We expect New York legislator who sponsored that bill to be reelected. And we've already been in communication with her and her staff, and they are open to tweaks and changes. I think what the New York state senator recognizes is this might not be the right time, given inflation and recession, to uh, whack their constituents with another tax. But to a person, the folks that we've talked to in New York and Pennsylvania recognize that long-term care is a big deal. In fact, both folks that we've talked to have shared a personal experience and they're connected to this issue, they know they need to fix it. And they know it's probably not a short-term fix. It's a big long-term fix. And they're trying to do it on the state level because look, you know what's going on in Washington, a lot of gridlock and, and there likely will be if there's divided government. And so 
you know, you're going to see more action on the state level. Right. And what happened in, in the state of Washington is they did allow employees to purchase a private long-term care plan, and then they were able to opt out of that future payroll tax. And what we're seeing in other states is something similar, but what some states are doing and is enacting the law and stating that if you already had long-term care insurance, you would be able to opt out of the payroll tax. But if you didn't have it when the law was enacted, you had to pay the payroll tax. And they didn't yeah. do that in Washington. And that's why we had such a big mess. Yeah. And, and I think that's what's going to happen in other states. I think these other states recognize that there can't be long windows or opt-out periods because frankly, they need the money in these trusts to pay yeah. future benefits. Right. And so you're going to see proposals that say, look, if you own long-term care insurance before this law is enacted, then you're grandfathered. You, you, you won't have to pay the tax, but if you don't, mm-hmm. then you pay the tax. And, th- and that's kind of what we're seeing in the proposal or the feasibility report in California, as an example. By the end of this year, the Long-Term Care Insurance Task Force of California has to provide the governor with a written recommendation. And then all of 23, an actuarial firm has the, the time to figure out what's the stuff going to cost? You know, what would a potential tax cost employees? And so California is moving along. I don't know. If anything's going to happen, what I can tell you is that we've got our thumb on the pulse of it. We're talking to lobbyists and we're talking to legislators to try to gauge their interest in, in something like this right now. But the bottom line is California keeps moving on, as will these other states in their investigations or feasibility reports and things like that. That's driving a lot of activity. We're also seeing some stuff on the on the federal level with the WISH Act. You want to take that one, Lori? Yes, and that will probably be enacted and passed into law by the end of this year. So that is going to allow an individual to take money out of their 401k plan, $2,500 annually with no penalty to pay for long-term care, to pay your premium payment. So I think that was interesting. Look, we had met with not only the Senate Committee on Finance, some staffers, but also Toomey's tax policy analysts. And we were hoping for, you know, kind of double tax-free type of deal where you pull the money out before you're 59 and a half. And then also those distributions would be tax-free. However, you know, lawmaking came into the picture and essentially you could pull the money out penalty-free, but those distributions of 2,500 or those payments to insurance are going to be treated as ordinary income. Yeah. So not what we wanted, but it's a start from what we've learned and what we've been told that you got to start somewhere and then continually to tweak something along the way. Right. And it's just more exposure. And I think what's interesting, what's happening in the states is though we don't have anything put into law yet, but what's happening is agents and insurance companies are reaching out to employer groups. So already you're seeing in the state of California, very, very large groups starting long-term care insurance plans for their employees. And part of that is based on what's happening. So again, as a broker and agent, whatever state you live in, it's being talked about. You know, it's being talked about on the state level. It's being talked about on the employer level. And it's just important to know about this and you being able to reach out to those clients yourself before somebody else does. Yep. So again, quick marketplace update. We talked about it. Legislative changes right? Legislative activity, I should say. That's driving, you know, client conversations. Personal experience is also driving client Mm -hmm. conversations. We're going to see new products in 23. Those are likely going to be combination life and long-term care products, but we're going to see new products in 23. And I don't know, Lori, that we can escape COVID just yet. 
you know, we're, we're heading into the winter and, and we're seeing spiking, you know, hospitalizations all over the place. And, and what I mean by it is I, I think we're in the endemic phase. That's just my opinion in that, you know, learning to live with it. But I'll tell you what, right. we're still conscious about slapping in the face healthcare events. And so it's an easier conversation to talk about long-term care with clients than it has been before because of COVID. Absolutely. So, so that's just what's going on. We, we are seeing also interest rates go up, up, up. And I'll tell you what, if you're you know, a borrower, you know, if you're trying to buy a house, it stinks, right? If you're an insurance company, it's actually okay, right? Because they invest their money into bond portfolios. And as the rates go up, so do their bond portfolios perform better. And so what we have seen is rate reductions. I know that sounds insane, but the premium rates are going down with a few carriers that we work with. And, and I find that to be interesting. And if the Fed continues to, to jack up rates, I think we're going to see more rate reductions by carriers, which is a good thing for consumers. Right. And again, there are some very, very Great insurance companies providing those life insurance with long-term care benefits, with extension of long-term care benefits that are super for employer groups. Again, simplified underwriting or hardly any underwriting for the employee, adding the spouse, giving you a nice premium for the employee, and they're working. They're being sold to large groups and small groups. So just one other thing to focus on, just talking about those long-term care conversations that you have with your employer groups, with individuals you know. Again, this is something that you can certainly get licensed if you're not already to do it yourself. We always encourage you to work with a long-term care specialist. There's a lot of people who have that CLTC designation and know all the products, you know, whether you're not healthy and you need some kind of a plan where you don't have any underwriting, like an annuity with long-term care insurance benefits, traditional hybrids, because there's so many different products out there. So it's, it's great to work with a long-term care specialist to just help you with those decisions and working with your own clients. So some tips for productive client conversations, keeping those choices as simple as possible. I think that's really important because again, there is a lot of variety, a lot of differences, and it can be overwhelming. I hear that a lot from long-term care prospects I work with. Boy, this is complicated. It can be but it doesn't have to be. I think fact-finding is really, really important from the very beginning, whether you're working with an employer group or an individual, to get some information about what's their experience. Have they had that caregiving experience in their family? And what are their worries? It's important to get at all that. So Lori, here's what I'm fascinated by. And, and we always, when Lori and I do a lot of these together, and we always want to leave people with some concrete or tactical things that they can use in their next client conversation. And so the advisors that we work with, the benefits professionals that we work with, we found that the most effective build trust with their clients right away, right? Have a great rapport with their clients, but also have efficiency in their practices and build simplicity into these client conversations. So, so Lori mentioned it, it's complicated, but only as complicated as you make it. Right. And mm -hmm. so what we're suggesting is that you either partner with a long-term care specialist, or if you're having these conversations, keep it simple. So what I'm fascinated by is, hey, I just shared a story about my mom. Lori, you talked about your parents as well. We see the stats all over the place. 50% of people over 65 are going to need some long-term care at some point, but why aren't people taking action? And so that leads me into some tactical tools for you. And they're based or rooted in behavioral finance or behavioral economics. You might see all this, this information around the 401k world. There's been significant 
interest, activity, and a lot of research in this area. Why don't people save for their retirements? And so we took some of this research and we molded it into long-term care. So for those of you who aren't familiar with behavioral finance, behavioral economics, it basically combines economic theory and psychology to help us understand why we behave the way we do. Why do we make such irrational decisions as it relates to insurance? And so just understand that your clients going into all these conversations have conscious and unconscious biases. We as advisors have those same conscious and unconscious biases. So I think the story here is know thy customer, understand your customer or make an investment to better understand your customer leading into these long-term care conversations. That's going to enable you to have more productive conversations. But what Lori and I took from some of these books and all this research is just a few things. And these few tenants or guidelines will help you have better success in long-term care. Number one, keep the choices as simple as possible. Whether it's on the worksite side, on the individual long-term care planning side, don't show 50 different illustrations, right? Our job is to help synthesize all this data. Right? We're doing the due diligence, we're doing our homework, uh, but we're coming back based on our fact-finding, like Lori mentioned, and coming up with one or two options that might be the optimal solution for the client, but it's called choice architecture, right? Why, when I go to the gas station, is it regular, premium, super premium? You know, why is it with our health insurance, we've got three different gold, silver, platinum. I could give example after example. Most people pick the middle, right? So why aren't we right. doing the same when it comes to long-term right. care? Too many choices, people freeze you got <laughs> and it. they don't do anything. <laughs> you got it. Paralysis by analysis. So what we're doing is exactly. not saying don't do the due diligence, do it. But when it comes to the recommendation, right. narrow it down to just a couple different options. Uh, tenant number two or guideline number two, focus on the gain versus the loss, right? I could tell somebody that they're going to spend $60,000 a year today, $100,000 a year today in home health care or skilled nursing care if they need long-term care. But I don't know that that works. I mean, if you look at it, we've got 7% market penetration of eligible buyers. I'm not sure that works. Well, what's a better way? Tell somebody today, if you secure long-term care insurance, you've got a tax-free funding strategy to pay for that long-term care event. You, you've locked in your, your age and your good health to secure that coverage. And when and if you need it, you have a pool of dollars of $500,000 to pay for your long-term care expenses. You're not going to have to rely on your family. You've got a bona fide plan or strategy in place. Boy, that's a lot better than going negative. You know, it, it resonates with more consumers than going negatives. Number three, use stories, not stats, right? Statistics destroy right. empathy. I, I heard a great one that 47% of stats are made up right on the spot. No, just kidding. But the bottom line is, you know, people... Think they're on the other side of the stat, right? If I say 50% of people over 65 are going to need long-term care, 50% of the people in that room are going to say, oh, those poor people over there, it's not going to be me. And so when you use a story, it makes it real and you get a connection with a client that you wouldn't if you just shared statistics with them. And then lastly, I'll just say there's two more, but you know, heuristics is rules of thumb. And what that means is, hey, Lori, I met with a client that looks just like you. I don't mean physically, but I mean, is around your age, is, has the same kind of stuff going on in their lives as you do, and here's what they decided to do. So scientifically, it's been proven that we want to know what our peers are doing. It gives us more comfort if we know that our peers did something. And so I would say, pick out a case study, a success story that you can go back to, whether it's your own or, right. or with a client. Right. That seems to right. work. And then lastly, force a choice. Man, that, that doesn't sound like a sales consultant, does it? I'm forcing something down somebody's throat. No, 
I'm not talking about forcing them to buy long-term care insurance, but I'm saying when people, you know, have to make a decision, like when you sign off on, hey, we had this conversation, it makes it a little bit real. So as you present a solution, whether it's individual long-term care or corporate offering that that you know you're presenting, and they say, I need to think about it. Lori, what do you do when somebody says, Lori, I need to think about it? You know, I, I say, when are we going to have our next meeting? <laughs> there you go. There you go. You know, that's complicated and does need some thought process, but you got to keep at it. And long-term care insurance isn't for everybody. Some people just can't afford it, right? Let's talk about what Lori just did. I said, what do you say when somebody says, I need to think about it? She immediately disarmed me as a client and said, this is not for everybody. I know that she's not just going to try to sell me insurance, sell me insurance. I know based on her response that she's consultative in her approach. Number two, she was trying to advance the discussion. She created some empathy saying, look, I know. I know it's a lot of information to take in, but there was a lot of head nodding during our meeting. And it seems like you get this issue. So we need to figure out when we can formalize this strategy whether it's with insurance or not. Lori mentioned she was asking for the next conversation, knowing that it wasn't going to be a one-call close. So that's what I mean by force a choice, is that don't just bring up the issue and check it off a box and say, okay, we talked about it, but actually get them to make a decision about how they're going to plan for long-term care, whether it's insurance or not. So again, we just want to share a few ideas as it relates to behavioral finance. If you're interested in this subject like we are, we were thinking about having a deeper dive on some sales strategies that you can listen into a, a webinar. But really what we we're trying to do is give you a quick update on the marketplace. I will tell you that there are more long-term care solutions today than ever before. The consciousness around this planning is higher than it's ever been before. And as we see more states talk about long-term care planning, it's going to trickle down to your clients. So, you know, Lori, you, you've said it before, right? If, if you're not talking about it. Somebody else is. Somebody else will be, that's for sure. So really look to the long-term care portal on the NAHU site where we're going to just be posting more information to keep you current on what's happening in your state or states that you work in in the future. And you can certainly start reaching out to your clients now because it is being talked about. Thanks for your time, everybody. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. So in healthcare happy hour tradition, we usually do a toast at the end of each podcast. So is there anything you guys would like to toast to this week? Interesting news or anything special? Yeah. I mean, it's, first of all, it's a little early in the day for a toast for me, but I'm toasting to a uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. This time of year, because it's long-term care awareness month, you start to think about loved ones in your life and, and them going through tough situations. And I'm just really grateful to have the family and friends and colleagues like Lori that I have. So I want to thank everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. I want to do a toast to all caregivers. It's, it's not easy. I always said being a caregiver myself, it's both a joy and a challenge. Big toast Amen. to caregivers. Amen. Cheers. Thank you for joining us for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour the official podcast of the National Association of Health Underwriters. For more information on NAHU's government affairs efforts or to become a member, visit NAHU.org.